Hey, if you, uh, if you haven't been with us before or if this is your first time at uh, Northview, we want to say hey, and I'm Zach, and I do all the worship here. But we've been in this series called Responsibility, and it's why we do what we do. And if you've missed any of it, we've kind of been going through um, the core of our church and talking about some of the, the main things that we do as a church and some things that we want to push ourselves more on. And we've talked about serving in church. We've talked about giving. We've talked about celebrating God and living out what we believe. And we thought, man, part of the reason I, I told Steve, I said, man, why are you coming back? We've got some great people that can speak this weekend. And we have our Nicaragua mission team back. Uh, missions team back, and we, I don't know about you guys, but even through first service, hearing them talk about what God did on that trip, and just kind of how they grew personally, and how God kind of um, exposed things in them, and said, man, you're called to do this and that, I thought it was a very exciting time, so what we're going to do in in just a little bit, we're going to have a couple of them come up, and kind of share some of their experiences down in Nicaragua, but before we get to that, I have to call um, I messed up on this the first service, so I have to call a few guys forward, and we're going to take up our benevolent offering, and um, they're going to pass that around. And basically what that is is here at the church, right, sometimes, uh, sometimes you're caught in a bind, and sometimes you, you need some help, and we have a lot of people that sometimes need assistance, so we take this up. So if you're a first-timer, you don't have to give to this if you don't want, but we kind of uh, put this away, and then as people are in need and they come to the church and need some assistance, we're able to help them out a little bit, so... I'm going to have them pass that around, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and move on. So like I was saying, responsibility, the whole, we, we have to respond to God, right? We know in James 4, it says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And we, we, we've been talking about how God has given us all an ability, and God has given us all talents and, and, and ways that we can respond to him, and it's us figuring out what has God called us to do, and then acting on it. So if we take a look at our church's mission statement, and we've gone over this before, I think Steve did it the past couple weeks, but it says Northview Community Church is committed to encouraging people to become more like Jesus by celebrating God, serving one another, and sharing God's love with our world. So we thought, man, it would be awesome today to talk about sharing God's love with our world. And I wanted to point out this scripture, and I thought it was a very cool scripture because uh, you'll see in a video we're going to show later um, Brooks ended up using the exact same scripture at the end of his video, and we didn't plan that at all. So that's, that's a cool thing. Um, it's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, all authority in heaven and on earth. I forgot to switch it over for you. There we go. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So that goes right along with what the goal was going down to Nicaragua was a couple of different goals. Half was to go down. If you didn't know this and you're new with us, Brooks' parents, um, when Brooks was, I, I think I want to say it was end of middle school or early high school or something, his parents decided they were going to take him on a trip to Hawaii. And Brooks was all ants and like, I'm going to go to Hawaii. And then the last second they, feel like, they felt like the Lord was kind of tugging on their hearts to go on this mission trip down to Nicaragua. So they went down there. And then when they were down on the trip, they felt like the Lord said to him, hey, this wasn't just a trip. I want you to move down here. I want you to be missionaries down here permanently. And I know it was a, it was a big 
stepping out of Brooke's comfort zone to have to do that, right? And he didn't really have a choice, <laughs> right? So they moved down there. And so this was an awesome experience for Brooks. Brooks was so excited to take some of the youth down and kind of show them what he grew up with, but at the same time, have them experience something other than just day-to-day routines of living here in the Mill Creek area, right? And it's, it's great when God puts us in situations where we get a little bit uneasy for them. And as, as Roger and a few of the students are going to share, there were definitely some... Uh, some uncomfortable things that happened on this trip and, and, and some, some ways that they were pushed in, in out of their comfort zone is the best way to say it. So I'm going uh, to have Roger um, Cecil come up. He's going to share first. And if you don't know Roger, um, he does a lot um, and is over our men's ministry here. And he's an awesome guy. So let's give Roger a hand. Good morning. All right. So I got asked by Brooks maybe five or six months ago to come on this Nicaragua trip. And I think in the back of his mind was he needed a thug to kind of keep some of these guys in line. Well, I've since lost a lot of weight since then, so I wasn't as effective as I probably could have been. But um, anyway, awesome opportunity. Uh, I said yes. I'm not sure if I even talked to you, hon, about that. But I told him yes. And... uh, and then the, the story starts rolling. So I just wanted to share just maybe one funny story uh, from our experience and then um, some thoughts that I think kind of our whole group, I can't speak for everybody, but largely there was a sense um, that the Lord was working in common ways through all of us. So um, so here's the story that was kind of funny. Um, so, I, you know, being the thug, I thought, well, I'm – kind of supposed to be an example to the kids and kind of mature and and so that was kind of my role I thought you know in the back of my head I'm thinking okay don't do anything stupid just you know kind of be be stable um, and then ha- uh, Brooks's parents names are Hallie and Kathy or Holly and Kathy um, and, and they run this center and they have it dialed in like you wouldn't believe they have groups there all the time so um, so everything's very structured. There's, there's something to do every hour while you're down there. And so, um, but ha- Holly is very black and white. Here's the way it's going to be. And so he had, I mean, he had more rules, I think, than they have in the Old Testament. I mean, he, he has rules for everything we did. There's kind of these little rules. Don't do this, and this is why. And so, um, I mean, they were all legitimate, but, you know, there's a lot of rules. And so... One of his rules, and this was in the, the ranchone, which was a kind of a straw-covered hut where we had all of our meals. Um, one of the rules he had was all fours, chairs on all fours. So they had these plastic uh, tables and chairs where, where everybody sat and ate. And um, I think he's probably had some of them break in the past. So his rule was stay on all fours on the chairs. Don't be leaning back and goofing off on them. Um, and I would appreciate that because then we won't have to buy new chairs. So, anyway, so pretty simple rule. I figured, jeez, I'm an adult. That's no problem. So, um, so we had, uh, gosh, probably three, four, five times a day uh, in the rancho where we got together as a group, the students and the adults from Northview, and either shared from the word or sang hymns or shared stories or played games. Um, I think this was maybe halfway through the trip. We were playing this game called 
two truths and a lie. Um, you guys might be familiar with it. You just you pick some stories about yourself and you throw them out there. Two of them are a truth and one of them is a lie, and everybody has to guess what the lie is. So, um, so it was going around, and you know, people were having fun. It was it's a really fun, loving group. Everybody was was laughing and and so on. And it got to this guy, and I'll keep it anonymous. So I'll use a fictitious name. His name was Dirk. So we're going around, and it comes to Dirk, and I I don't know why it was funny, but one of his stories, and I think this was was actually a truth, one of his stories was, I played ping pong with Zen Wong. And I don't know why, but I, I couldn't keep it in. I just started busting up laughing, and I went off of four onto the back two. And I went over totally onto the floor. And the chair disintegrated. And so, um, and then there was another time, um, I think it was maybe a couple days later, we were playing spoons with the Nikas, the Nicaraguans, and I lost out on the spoons. And so I kind of jerked back, and I really didn't go on the back two. I was still on four, but I, I, I jerked back, and the chair disintegrated. And so, um, anyway, unfortunately, I... In this department, I did not, uh, I was not a very good example setting maturity. Um, there's two plastic chairs sitting down right now in the ranch home, probably waiting to go to the dump. Or Anyway, funny story. Um, so these guys, I guess, uh, all to say, um, this is a very fun group of high schoolers. Um, I know I only got to meet about 15 of them, but um, they're fun. And, uh, you know, I, I just saw a lot of... Um, what their strengths were, got to know a lot of them, and um, I think, you know, they're the future of our church, and so I was just proud to be with them and, and get to know some of them. Um, and then just kind of a, a parting thought from Nicaragua. Um, we've talked about comfort zone. Um, so our group of 20 was out of our comfort zone pretty much, well, pretty much from the time we got to SeaTac, taken off. Um, we had, you know, first of all, we're gringos, and we're going into the Nicaraguan, Nicaragüense, whatever they call it, um, culture. And we've got Santa Claus, which is Shannon with the beard. So he's a, he's a freak. I mean, everybody's looking at him, <laughs> saying, where's the toys? Do you have Nika toys? And um, so, and then we have Lauren, who's taller than your average girl, and especially among the Nikas, you know, they're asking, well, how old is she? Well, she's 15. What? You know, so so, we're, so us as a group, we're not really, I mean, we're, we're set apart. We're different from the Nikas. Um, so that was out of our comfort zone. Um, the language barrier. Not only do we not speak Spanish, but we don't speak Nika Renzwe, which is kind of a variation of Spanish where they take all the Spanish words and they shove them into like a third of a sentence. All the words are still there, but... You just, you, even if you studied it for five years, you can't. You just say, como, como. You say como three times, and then you give up. So, <laughs> anyway, probably frustrating for them, too. Um, we, we were hot, and we worked a lot. Uh, that was not necessarily comfortable. Um, many of us, actually almost all of us except for three, I think, 
came in touch with Montezuma's revenge of some fashion. So we were all sick at some point, except for a couple. Um, we had a lot of, you know, with, the, with the, the climate down there, I don't know if any of you have been in Central America. This was my first experience in Central America, but there's a lot of bugs and creatures and animals. Um, so we had scorpions, tarantulas, June bugs, when they opened their wings, were about that big. Um, what else? Cockroaches, bats. Um, and these were all, we shared, we shared the campus with these bugs. It wasn't like they just came in every once in a while. I mean, it was, before you sat down to eat, you looked at your chair, and then you looked at the floor. And so every, everything you were doing, you, you kind of had to look ahead and make sure that you're not displacing some kind of creature. So, so we're out of our comfort zone, totally. I mean, every part of the trip was different and foreign. And so, um, but I think that um, despite that, in fact, not despite that, but because of that, I think the Lord was able to use a lot of the students in ways that they maybe couldn't have been used if they weren't out of their comfort zone. And so um, perhaps some of them even discovered that they had some specific spiritual gifts that they may not have known before this. So out of the comfort zone is a good thing. So uh, my, my closing thought would be um, God really uses us when we um, cooperate with him, but particularly when cooperate, cooperating with him means we go out way out of our comfort zone. So, And these guys definitely did that this week. So thank you very much. Awesome. Well, now let's hear, uh, I've got uh, Ann that's going to come up. She's going to share a little bit. And then Alex, like last service, you can come right up after. Hi. Um, so if you don't know me, I'm Ann. Um, and so uh, when Brooks asked me to speak today, I, uh, I didn't know what to say because there was just so much that happened, and it was just a crazy experience for pretty much everyone that went. And... Um, but the first thing that popped into my mind was a little girl named Achi. And I'm looking at Alicia because Alicia fell in love with her just as much as I did. And so um, she was five years old, and she was the cutest thing in the whole world. And um, so on one of the days after the feeding program, where, like, we just kind of give them lunch, um, we were kind of we were playing and doing different things. And um, I figured out, because I'm really, really bad at Spanish, and so I figured out that she was asking me if I could read to her. And so we kind of went off into this, like, they have a little library, and so we went off into that room, just the two of us, and um, she picked out some books, and we kind of just sat down, and I started reading to her. And um, it was just, it was a crazy time, just because I, like, it was amazing to be one-on-one, just with a little girl, you know, and we had the total language barrier between us. I had no idea what I was saying to her, and, you know. And so, um, but it kind of didn't matter, you know, because she was just so accepting, of me, even though I couldn't really speak to her, and um, I just thought about how that kind of, it reflected the culture and the community there, because everybody was just so welcoming and so accepting of us, even though we couldn't really speak to them very well, and we didn't know them, obviously, but, um, you know, it was just kind of having that attitude that, like, it doesn't matter if we can't speak to each other. What matters is that, you know, we're just trying to have relationships with them, and um, and so, back to Achi. So, we were sitting there reading, and uh, she turned around at one point, 
And she was telling me that she wanted one of the books to take home because she didn't have books at home and she didn't have anyone to read to her, but um, she really wanted to do that. And so, and I couldn't give her one because they weren't mine to give, but it just kind of, it filled me with like immense gratitude to God, you know, just because, you know, I grew up reading books and I grew up doing that. And, you know, I'd never really taken a moment to really be grateful for that. And, you know, I'd kind of taken that for granted. And so, you know, and like at the end of the week when we had like a group time, uh, we kind of were all talking about that and we realized like how much stuff that we didn't realize that we had until we saw people without it sort of. And um, it was just, it was just really awesome to see. And, um, and also kind of being grateful just for those moments that we had where, you know, we didn't know what to expect going to the trip. And so then being there and having those moments with the kids, that was probably my favorite part of the trip. And um, so, yeah, that's pretty much all I have. So I'm done. <laughs> Hello. Uh, see, my name is Alex. And, uh, yeah, I was one of the ones chosen to go on this trip to Nicaragua. Uh, so, yeah, the trip for me was um, pretty life-changing and unforgettable. Um, you know, it was, it was really sitting in the plane going going to Nicar- Nicaragua uh, was when it really sunk in that we're going to a third-world country. And, you know, I, I had all these visions and expectations of what it what it may look like to interact with the kids and what, it may, what the, the country itself may look like. But, you know, in the heat of the moment, you know, there's really no expectations. You kind of just had to trust God that, he was going to guide you and lead you in the right way. Uh, and so, yeah, we got to Nicaragua in the morning after leaving at midnight from Seattle. So we're all exhausted and, and tired and half asleep. And as tired as I was, um, you know, literally seconds after after leaving the airport, uh, you know, there's just streets just lined with shacks on both sides made of, like, metal scraps. And I, I didn't really know what to make of it. I wasn't sure if they were homes or not. And... I'm riding in the car with Tim, and he was, he was one of the guys helping us carpool. And he, I asked him, do people live in those? And he said yes. He said it pretty casually. Uh, you know, he's used to it. He lives there. And, but, I mean, I was just speechless and shocked. I, I didn't know what to think. I was like, I mean, I, I, I had nothing to say. I was just so shocked at sitting there. And there's, there's trash everywhere. Everywhere you look, there's trash on houses, in front of houses, on the street. And people didn't care. They kind of just throw their... There's stuff everywhere, trash and stuff. And you also be driving, and you stop at a red light, and then people, the Nicaraguans, some of them would come up with like water, some in a wiper, and they start washing your window. And uh, we're we're kind of in the back of the van, just kind of what's going on. And we kind of watch it all play out, and they finish washing your window, and they stand there. And Mr. August told us that they were expecting money from you, and he told us, you know, you don't you don't give money in these type of situations. And so they'd, the Nicaraguans, they'd ask once, and they'd realize you're not giving them any money, and then they'd start begging for money. And it was really hard for me to see something like that. People with so little begging for money like that, you know, and they're trying to raise a family and try to bring an income off of washing people's cars, and they don't even get money half the time. So you know, these these things, it was really hard for me to see, and uh, especially just on the first day. Um, but you know, as hard as it was. I felt like I adjusted pretty well to the environment, um, as well as the whole group. I felt like we adjusted really well. Um, we enjoyed a lot of things. Also, during our time there, uh, there's water towers spread out across the property. Um, they're about 20 feet high, and we, you can go up there and hang out. And the view from there was pretty sweet. 
and you can see the whole country and stuff like that. And you know, we we like hanging out together as a group and becoming stronger as a as a unit and as a family. Uh, we spent lots of time with uh, kids and the locals. Uh, we made lots of friends and. And, uh, you know, that was really great. We got used to getting, Roger said earlier, we got used to calling, getting called gringos. That's what they call white people down, uh, down there. And uh, actually me, they called, they called me Chino, and that means Chinese. I'm not Chinese, but, you know, that I, just, I got used to it, you know. We'd, you know, we'd be playing soccer, they'd be like, Chino, pass, like something like that, I don't know. Anyways, uh, so yeah, that was, that was great. You know, we played... Yeah, we played lots of soccer. It was crazy. I mean, if you want to see a lot of Nicaraguans and locals, I mean, you just bring out a soccer ball, and they just start coming out of their houses, and they come down the street, and they play with us. And you start a game of soccer with, like, three or four Nicaraguans, and then by the end of your game, you have, like, 20. It was just it was crazy. And, you know, the, the, they put the complex, the field opened, you know, around one or two, and then the usual guys would come and play with us, and we'd play with them for, like, three solid hours, which is a lot for us already. And we'd be sweaty and hot. We'd go shower and change. We'd come back out, and they're still playing soccer. And you're just like, what the heck? Like, how are they doing that? And, you know, it's like they, they play straight through six, and the guard's kicking them out because that's when the complex closes. And, you know, it's just amazing to see how soccer brings a community, you know, together and stuff like that and just how much they play. And it's just pretty crazy. But uh, so we played lots of soccer. We worked a lot, too, on the property. We we did the whole soccer field. We cleaned up the street. Um, some people kind of did some gardening type stuff around the, the rancho where we ate lunch. Um, the biggest project was leveling out the inner half of the infield of the baseball field. Um, you know, so like every day we're dirty, we're hot, sweaty, gross, feel gross. We got dirt all over our clothes and dirt in places we didn't want dirt and and. You know, but we were, we really pulled together as a team and worked hard and worked well with each other. And praise God, by the end of the week, we got all our assigned projects done. So, you know, we really thank God for giving us strength and energy to be able to go out every day and give our full workload. Um, so, definitely had a lot of funny moments, too. Uh, um, like Roger said earlier, we had trouble a little bit adjusting to all the creatures and bugs we saw down there. One of them being a June bug. sounds pretty big this gigantic beetle with wings that could fly and we also learned quickly that june bugs are really dumb i mean they'll find a wall and just run into it for two minutes and and then and then after those two minutes they fall on the floor on their back and they're just helpless their arms in the air so anyways we're in the ranch shown and uh paul porter gets a little bit uh, I don't know how you're disturbed, I guess, by the a June bug flying around. And it hit somebody, it fell on its back, and it's laying there, and we all start standing around it. And we know Paul doesn't really like those things, so we're like, hey, Paul, you should pick it up and throw it out. He's like, no, nah, I don't want anything to do with that, something like that. And and uh, we're like, no, dude, you should do it. And, you know, he realized that no one else was going to do it, and he wanted it out, so he goes down to pick it up. It's nabbing at his fingers, and takes him a little while, but he finally gets it in his hand, and he chucks it out of the ranchone, and we're all clapping and cheering for him. We're, he's like, he's all pumped. He's jacked up. He's pumping his fist in there. He's like, yeah. He turns around, and we all start laughing really hard. And we're just dying, falling on the floor, and we're pointing at him. He's like, what's going on? And the beetle's sitting on his chest. 
I mean, he, he didn't throw it very far, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, we're laughing. He realizes it. He's, like, trying to brush it off. He's like, ah, trying to get it off of him and stuff. And, I mean, we, we just let him do his thing. We didn't try to help him at all. We just, <laughs> yeah, we're just laughing at him. And he finally gets it off. And, yeah, he didn't want anything to do with that bug ever again. But we'll never let him live that one down. Uh, so, yeah, that was definitely one of our funnier moments. Um, but, you know, to wrap things up, on a serious note, I guess, uh, you know, looking back on those 10 days in Nicaragua, definitely something that I will take away is the unity of all the people um, of Nicaragua, you know, from little kids to the old, older people. You know, they just, they all live in the same poor environment, and, you know, they put that behind them, though. They, they, they focus on what's in front of them and what they do have, and they laugh, they smile, with and hang out with each other, and I could sense the, definitely sense the love and the camaraderie among not just groups of Nicaraguans, but like as the whole community. And, you know, that was really, really cool to see. And, you know, I feel like among myself and even some of my friends, you know, we can tend to dwell on what we don't have and tend to you know, complain about that. And we don't focus enough, we don't spend enough time appreciating the abilities and the gifts God's given us. Um, so yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely humbling, humbling to see, you know, something like that, and, a, you know, big takeaway is that, you know, a group of Nicaraguans with so little can, they seem so much more happy and upbeat and joyful, even, you know, with having so little, and it seems like maybe even here in America with so, how much we have, we can, you know, we tend to be so much more, I got complacent, I guess, I don't know, they just seem more happy and upbeat, even though they have way less than we do. And so that's something I will remember for a long time and uh, definitely won't forget. And uh, I also want to thank you guys all for donating and encouraging and the support and the prayer. We definitely all appreciated it. And uh, I I really feel like God worked through us and used us in amazing ways. So uh, thank you guys. Yeah, I hope you guys were encouraged as I was to just see that and know that, um, just like Roger had said, this is uh, these are the youth that are uh, going to be growing up and, and being where you guys are sitting someday. And to know that they went down and were able to have a great um, opportunity. And I, I have a feeling if you talked with some of the leaders that went, like Roger and Joan, and uh, they would tell you that um, they had a great time feeding into the kids and stuff. So I just want to encourage you guys as we've been going through this series and we've been talking about um, celebrating God and, and serving one another and sharing Jesus um, to, to, to get involved in some way in the church here. Uh, let's use this as a, a springboard to say that, you know, it, we can go to other countries and we know that there are people that, that don't have what we have here. But one thing that we all have in common is even people right here in Mill Creek, even people right here in Washington need to know about Jesus as well, right? And that's why we're here as a church, to share that with people. So I want to encourage you guys. We have ways that you can serve inside the church. We've, we've talked a lot about in children's and, and in youth group, and that's why it was great to see that because we're, we're helping raise up that younger generation to take over someday. Let's take a look at this. Uh, this is a scripture that Steve really wanted me to share this morning, and it's 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 and 15. It says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And it it circles around back to what we've been talking about throughout this whole series. 
Why do we do what we do? Why are we here as a church? Why do we meet on Sunday mornings? And there are so many different parts to that. But I love at the end of this, it says, um, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And that's what I want to encourage you guys with today. We all have those areas of our lives that we have to give up to Christ. We all have those comfort zones that we like being inside of, and we don't want to be pushed out of them, and we don't want people to push. And, and when we hear things like this come up, or we hear children's need some help, we, we tend to push back and go, ah, eh, yeah, somebody else will do it. Somebody else will do it. Have you guys ever heard about, thank you so much. Have you guys, I don't know what it's called. Somebody can shout it out if they know. But there's that one thing, uh, and I'll bet you David, being a firefighter, knows all about this. But something tragical happened, and everybody assumes that someone's going to call 911, so nobody does. Right? You have a a situation like that happen, and then everybody assumes somebody else is going to do it, so they don't do it. And what I want to encourage you guys with today, and, and, and let this be our springboard, that we as a church can come together and do some amazing things in the name of Jesus. Amen? We can do amazing things with him. So I want to encourage you guys today, if, if, if you're not involved in something here at Northview, get involved in something. Let's make a difference in the world we're in. Let's get outside of those comfort zones. Man, you wouldn't know the people that uh, never thought they could do youth work or something. We, we heard Peter Bond talk a little while ago about how he never thought he could do youth and that's never something he thought he'd be involved in. And now all of a sudden, dude, his group loves Peter, man. They absolutely adore Peter. And there are so many stories like that around our church. That's what I want to encourage you with today. So I know we are still getting communion, but let's talk about it and how it relates to this trip and everything like that. We are in desperate need of Jesus. And we have these opportunities when we come together as a church and we partake in communion and we're able to realize the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Let me tell you something. Jesus was pretty far out of his comfort zone when he was beaten for us. Jesus was pretty far out of his comfort zone when he was nailed to a cross for us. And he did it because he loves us. And he did it so that we may have life and the word says life more abundantly through him. So before we take communion today, and I know they're still passing out a few, but before we partake in it, I want you to just take a couple of minutes. I want you to bow your heads, and I want you to think about what God has been asking of you. Maybe it's to serve somewhere. Maybe you've got something in your life that Jesus is asking you to change, that you've been unwilling to change. Maybe there's that someone in your life that you've been unwilling to forgive. And Jesus has been saying, you need to forgive this person. You have to change this about how you're doing things. It can be uncomfortable to let Jesus into our hearts and let him kind of flush some of that stuff out. But we need to let him. So just take a couple of minutes, bow your heads, and let's do that.